0: Yes. <laughs> Welcome to America, <laughs> the most litigious country on the face of the earth.
1: I still can't get over that in America, you can, you can like donate forty million dollars to a politician. There's there's something that seems so fundamentally wrong, or to to a group of politicians, like it seems so bought. They're like you know, politicians and elections are bought. They shouldn't be.
0: Well, what's even worse is that it's with others people's money. Maybe.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, when you when you steal money to give it to politicians, uh, it just it gets, it gets uglier and uglier by the minute.
0: Lawrence,
2: yeah, hey, good what morning. What are you guys. doing? Good. Is that you? <laughs> good Alex, morning. Or is that Brady?
0: No, uh, I said Lawrence.
2: Oh, yeah, it's Alex. Okay, how are you?
0: I'm awesome, man. How are you?
2: great well you guys did a hell of a job with that conference i'll tell you that was that was the best absolutely the best
0: yeah it was pretty fantastic huh it blew away my expectations like it was just so much fun and just the energy levels and just the vibe of everything was just perfect
2: yeah no bear market there we're all on the same team and it's all good
0: yeah same team no fear rock steady let's go exactly it was really cool. I enjoyed um, hanging out with you and getting to know you better, and realizing that you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, at least in our yeah. value systems.
2: Absolutely, it uh, it helps when you've been around the track a few times, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean that's why guys like yourself and Foss, Avish, I mean, super valuable to the Bitcoin ecosystem because you bring a lot of experience, meaning. <laughs>
2: Experience yeah. meaning, a lot of times, but, with- but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because we've seen this before. You know, I mean, I lost money with John Corzine at AMF Global. You know, he was dipping into customer funds, and same story, right? It's just, and he, and by the way, he didn't spend a minute in jail, uh, he skated, um, you know, because of his political connections. He was Goldman Sachs, he's you know, politically, I don't know, I think at one point he might have been governor of New Jersey, but he, um, you know, and I, 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 fear that's what they're setting up for this guy, which just blows my mind. Uh, it's yeah. so broken, so corrupt, but that is if
0: this is. guy gets away with this, that yeah. is going to be mind
2: blowing. Yeah, it really will. I mean, you can see how he's kind of positioning himself kind of like, well, you know, it just got away from me. I didn't mean to do anything bad. You know, Yeah. okay. Yeah. You, you know, you, you bought a $40 million penthouse at, I saw a tweet this morning. I don't know if it was accurate, but somebody said that like 1.7, they loaned him 1.7 billion dollars for personal stuff. I'm like, oh, really?
0: <laughs>
2: Is that all? <laughs> Is that all? Yeah. I mean, you know, where did that go? I mean, does this guy have an account somewhere hidden? I mean, it, you know. And the, I also saw an article in the journalist where said or somewhere that said his his attorneys are trying to get him to shut up on Twitter. I mean, he just keeps indicting himself. Everything he says just shows you what a what a sociopath he is i mean i don't think he still yeah. i don't think he feels any remorse i mean he kind of feels it's bad because it doesn't work anymore but in terms of you know the pain he's caused other people i don't think he he notices or feels any of that maybe he feels his privilege will protect him it must be i mean the the tweets are kind of stunning to be honest with you
0: what's happening guys hey good morning bruce Nice to see you to Morning. stop by, man. Yeah, I got a question for you guys. I
3: have uh, I have Sam's phone number. Should I? What should I text him? <laughs> I was really thinking about it last night. You know, um, I uh, my only dealings with thank goodness uh, my only dealings with Sam ever was I hosted a clubhouse room with him and he was guest. That's why I had his phone number. And then I. Um, I invited him to the Satoshi roundtable two years ago, and he didn't come. And I, uh, when I heard he was donating thirty million in campaigns, I said, I, I sent him a kind of a throwaway text. I said, Hey, I know we're not politically aligned, but maybe at least we agree on Bitcoin because he, he's all dem- Democrat. I was running as Republican, so I said, I know we're not politically aligned, but at least maybe we're aligned on Bitcoin. But he never replied. <laughs> he gave he gave seventy million dollars to candidates not one nickel to me <laughs> which is good now actually i'm psyched because because i wouldn't want to be like oh man i got money from SBF. but uh but i did have his phone number so i was wondering you know what do you guys think should, should... i was thinking about sending him a text last night you know if there's something i don't know if he'll reply but it's from the impression i get at least for right now he seems to just be kind of doing his thing he's in the grocery store and stuff i think there's a chance he'll a very good chance he'll see it i don't know if he'd reply is there anything that's useful that I could say?
0: Well, useful for what, I guess is the question. Like he's in, he's already inviting himself. Tell him to get the money back. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's,
3: I mean, I don't know. It's like
4: three letter, three letter text, Bruce GFY. I was
3: was just going to say like, uh, I'm (laughs) pissed.
0: Hey Larry, what would you ask him?
2: Oh, I don't know where to start. I was trying to think of some witty reply, but I, I don't really have one. I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I'd ask him, uh, "How's he going to do in prison? How do you think a guy like him will do in prison?" You know, but ask
5: him Ask him if he's a complete and utter idiot or if he's a petty. Because like the like like to your point, Lawrence, like what he's like these text message screenshots that are coming out. It's like like if if the intent was to actually do criminal activity, like the smart criminals usually at least make it difficult to try and criminate themselves like he's not he's not putting up
0: well any not, not yeah, necessarily. necessarily no, not necessarily I mean <clears throat> I guess it depends you know, like once they cross that threshold into okay, they caught me, then it becomes about their legend it d- it depends if they're on a certain part of that psychopathic spectrum, once they're caught, it's like okay. How do, how do I inflate my legend
2: yeah I mean I there was an interesting tweet that uh, referenced a let a, a paper his uh, mother had written a few years ago about moral relativity and and you know inability to blame people for crimes it's on my thread I think I retweeted it and um, you know it, it obviously he was raised in an environment I mean if, if you're in notice in all his interviews and all those things he, he's always kind of He's always he's doing kind of a Larry David trying to present both sides of the thing. And and, you know, like like the box, you know, it, 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 most people here have probably seen the video of, of him describing the box and how he spins some tokens into the box and sells one token for a dollar. And therefore the box is worth X billion dollars. And, um, he, you know, there are plenty of clues about how his mind thinks. I mean, I, I don't think he really has a moral code. Um, I, I actually don't, I think he just kind of operates on a, what works basis. In fact, the tweets seem to indicate that, you know, kind of like, yeah, can you believe yeah. that, you know, we got to do this to fool people. I mean, there, there, there's, there's no morality there in my view. He's, he's, um, you know, he's an evil individual and, uh, he's, he's, psychopathic and, uh, you know, all I can say is I, I hope the court system, and I, you know, figures out a way, you know, to protect society from him. Um, but, based on what i've seen thus far i'm not at all confident that that will occur
0: yeah i mean i think that that's a good assessment i don't know like none of us are clinical psychologists but it like the signs are there right like if you read the literature in order to have no moral compass you basically also have to have no empathy right cuz if you have empathy you feel bad when you right. hurt people
2: and i don't think right? he does i really don't yeah. think he does i think he feels bad that he got caught i mean the game's over he doesn't yeah, like that exactly and he's saying some of the things he knows he needs to say. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. The, the sorry, the first sorry, that I'm effing sorry, that seemed very uh, contrived to me. It seemed like that's the kind of thing you think that you're supposed to do. That's what your parents <laughs> tell you to say. Yeah.
0: Any well, remind? that's... Also, the, also on, on this spectrum of what I call lizard people, right, <laughs> that's exactly what they do. I mean, they learn from a very, very early age. These folks biologically are wired in a way where they don't have empathy. They don't feel and process emotions the way the rest of us do. And so what they do is they watch us for our reactions to what they do. And over time, they build up this repertoire of tools to right. use against normal humans because it works. <laughs> and saying sorry is one
5: of them his modus operandi is very similar to klaus schwab because klaus schwab's position is that like a lot of the reasons that so much hatred is out in the world is because of cultural differences so he's trying to just uh, from what i've seen is that he's trying to just basically erode those barriers and those differences by just completely getting rid of cultural diversity in general i i don't know maybe maybe i'm just like putting two and two together that are not there, but it seems like they're very similar
2: in activity.
0: Okay, so here's the thing. We're dangerously close to the yay zone now. You guys know what I'm saying? Want to say the yay zone?
2: No, I don't actually.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) there's basically three realms of communication. We were talking about this at Pacific Bitcoin. Uh, There's three realms of communication. There's the standard corporate, politically nice, correct speech, right? That's one realm. Uh, And you see this in media and you see it in other places. Then you see kind of the, what I call the DMZ, the demilitarized zone. That's where you talk about things that are edgy and controversial and people like, you know, Richard Branson and Elon Musk and Joe Rogan fit into this category where it's interesting. It's controversial, but they haven't stepped over that line to where they're like in the Kanye zone or the Alex Jones zone. So we're calling it the yay zone. Yeah. Yeah, be car- Yeah, it's outside the Overton window of enough people that you just sound a little crazy, even if you're correct, right? Right. You just sound a crazy, it.
3: like Bitcoiners.
0: Well, we're yes, but see, <laughs> the trick is, the trick is, is that you can you can slightly move that window. You can slightly move the line back, right? Like Joe Rogan, perfect example. When he started talking about ivermectin, he's moving that line. And another example was, I don't know if you guys saw when, I think it was Jon Stewart went on, um, what's that dude's name? Colbert. Thank you, babe. John Stewart went on Colbert and he started talking about the, 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 the virus probably came from a lab in Wuhan. These guys artfully move that line. They, they're moving the yay zone a little bit. And, and we need to be get good at identifying how to do that, in my opinion, as Bitcoiners.
4: You know, SBF is nothing new. This is going on. I mean, it just continually happens because of our, our fiat, fiat mentality. Um, and, and I think, Lawrence, one of the things he said that <clears throat> caught my attention was I hope that the justice system or the legal system in, you know, can, can do something to protect society from, from this guy. And the reality is, is that, um, Bitcoin is going to be what protects society from people like this, because that's going to get rid of this, this grifter, uh, uh, and scammer kind of mentality within the fiat system. I I've had trouble myself, um, shedding the, the, the fiat mentality, um, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to do after after 35 years in in uh, in legacy finance.
6: The government cannot protect us from people like this.
3: No, Yo.
0: they can't. All right. Well, quick, real quick. Um Good morning and welcome. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin, episode 221. There's 45 days left in the 2022 tax year if you want to do a tax loss harvest. If you don't know what that means, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you. Latest edition of Swan Private Insight is going out relatively soon. Tomer is the head editor, ch- editor-in-chief. Editor is going out today. Great. If you, if you are curious about Swan Private, it's for Swan Private members only. If you're curious about that, you want to see a copy of it, shoot me a DM. We'll give you a complimentary copy. You can get an idea of what Swan private members get. Um, Moving on, back to FTX. This was from Bitcoin Magazine. Issues that have been uncovered at FTX. Number one, funds have been used to buy personal items like homes, as Larry was saying, penthouses, whatever. Software controls are used to hide misuse of user funds. That's crazy. It's just you can't make it up. Alameda is exempt from liquidation. Alameda lent billions to Sam Bankman Fried and executives, just as Larry said. Financial statements with false or lacking information, zero cash management. It's almost I just it's so mind blowing.
2: How about the the and it was on the Wall Street Journal? I love the quote this morning on the SBF uh, page here. I'll I'll try and find it. But it um it was just amazing to me that the guy said, this is worse than anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, you know, it's the worst messiest situation I've ever seen. Uh, this is a that? guy who, this is a guy who helped un- unwind Enron. I'll find the exact. Oh, the trustee here. John, it's, Wright. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It,
3: it's, it's, a, it really is. It, it just mind-bogglingly crazy you know i one thing i'll mention on on gox which kind of reminds me we're talking about like sort of the psychopathic tendencies and it's it's funny because because carpellis seems like a like a like a cuddly teddy bear uh compared to to sbf you know carpellis for those who weren't around in those days you know this that was mount gox was was by far the biggest fraud at the time uh and remained one of the one of the biggest up until now um and uh, Karplus was the CEO, and he was he was like the darling of of uh, Bitcoin for, for the first couple of years. Like he was the man. I mean, he was he was the head of the the biggest thing. And it was I had a really weird experience because I talked to him about oh, did just days before the collapse. You know, in the two weeks before the collapse, um, it was rumors that it was falling apart, and the rumors were that they just didn't know what they were doing. They had bad PHP scripts and they couldn't scale and stuff like that. So I talked to Barry Silbert, um, and I said, Hey, maybe we can save this thing. We'll fit. Got cut out. Um, I, I talked to Barry Silbert. I said, Hey, maybe we can save this thing and fix it. You know, just get, you know, we thought it was just good pro- getting good programmers and professionalism in there. So I talked to Mark and like, this is like four days before the collapse. I talked to him. We had a whole conversation about the con- conceptual idea, like, hey, let's get some professional you know, VCs and, and investors in there. We'll get good tech people, blah, blah, blah. We'll fix it. And, and he's like, OK. And then like a day or two later, Brian uh, Ryan Selkis broke the story that they didn't have the coins. And I said, well, that's, that, that's BS. I just talked to the guy. I just talked to him two days ago. And, and, and then, so Ryan at first, he thought I was a scammer. He's like, you're a scammer. You're in on it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. So I call up Karpalis. I'm like, Ryan's got this report saying you don't have the coins. And he's like, yes, this is true. I'm like, so you didn't mention that to me when we just spoke about saving your company <laughs> a week ago? You didn't mention They I go, it's out. And, and I was like in shock. I'm like, you're telling me you lost 200,000 coins? And, and, and I said, this is, this is the worst thing to ever happen in our industry. You're going to have people who lost their life savings. You might have people making suicides over this. This is going to be completely huge international news. You didn't even mention it. You know, he says, yes, very sad. Oh my God. <laughs> That's it. Yes, very sad. Like, and, and it, so he had this, <clears throat> like, sociopathic, like, he just didn't have emotion about it. And... Uh, so to me, that made him a big villain. But but man, I mean, like I say, you know, S B. because the thing is, Karpelis was was um, sociopath, a little bit psychopath, uh, completely incompetent and caused a hack. Well, that's nothing compared to SBF. SBF literally went in and stole that money right out of the accounts because he wanted it. He took it and he spent it on lavish stuff. It's, it's night and day difference. SBF is such a villain
0: you know before you popped in here bruce larry and i were talking about how like this guy might get by he might not go to jail over this and that would be abs the narrative right now is they're just painting him as this poor guy that it was outside of his control and just like oh well you know shit happens but he was such an altruist
5: you know well, him and him and his girlfriend both i don't think they're gonna get any sort of reprimand or anything
3: and you know it's weird i wonder what money he has now like, is, is he still a multimillionaire? Like, where is he staying right now? And does he have money for lawyers and stuff like that? And if so, where'd that money come from? You know, cause, cause it, it is, it would be, it would be a shame for them to, for, I mean, he could just stay down there, make it hard to, I mean, I don't know, they extradite him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if he has the money for a big legal case, and I assume he does, you know, and you know, there's probably lawyers who'd even take it for free cause it's such a high profile thing. Um, but whatever, he has a million-dollar legal team, they could easily just confuse the jury, just just go in there and have all Sam's friends, all these lobbyists, all the PACs, everybody go in there, witness after witness, character witness, just talking about how great Sam is, and then they confuse and conflate the whole thing, like, hey, this wasn't, I mean, this was just a bad trade, and then we couldn't have seen it, and then the collateral, and then CZ came in and made mean tweets.
5: <laughs> but Sam was a
7: genius.
5: Mean. To he us. spread rumors like those evil bankers back during the Great Depression and caused the bank run when it wouldn't have happened without it.
0: Okay, shifting gears a little bit. Do you? What do you think is going to happen? And this is to Larry and to Bruce. So apparently, there's a new lawsuit, uh, and the defendants named are Tom Brady, Deselbunchin, Stephen Curry, the Golden State Warriors, Shaquille O'Neal, on and on, Kevin O'Leary. Got named in this thing, where do you think that's going to go?
2: Yeah, this is Larry. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. My gut is that they're all pretty well insulated. I mean, you know, they'll claim they didn't know and they were just advertising for the guy. I don't know. Maybe maybe some lawyers on the call should raise their hand and might be able to weigh in. But I, uh, you know, I suspect responsibility here. Everyone will be saying, "No, it's not my responsibility." I don't know. Well, Kevin O'Leary came out the other day and just said that he would he would back him again. Yeah, that guy is so bad. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, he,
8: this yeah, is he where has a bad where age really helps.
2: I, I saw Kevin O'Leary. That's just Mr. Wonderful committing to his incompetence and doubling down, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I saw him, I saw him defraud the learning company in the 80s. I mean, he sold the learning company to Mattel for a billion dollars, and all the numbers were fake. Because, like, if
5: you think about it, it's literally no different than that.
2: Yeah, that's 20, right. How many examples I mean, he, he, he,
5: uh, he is just an like that moment in the big short at the yeah. end where Mark Baum is talking about uh, the, the parasitic nature of the system and how fraudulent it is. And then the individual stands up and says, Hey, since you guys started talking there's uh, like bear Stern stock has dropped by like 35%. Like, would you still keep buying? And he goes, uh, I mean, yeah, why not?
2: Yeah. I don't know. Are there any lawyers on the line that have a sense of what the, what the legal basis of if somebody's advertising, there, there's
0: some that, there's some pop in from time to time we'll grab them if
2: we see them yeah it. i don't know i don't know what the legal angle is there i'm i'm uh,
3: pushing back i'm not so concerned about brady and those guys i don't
2: think they're really that culpable to be
3: honest uh you know and and i'm i mean i'm not a lawyer either but I, but my guess would be that You know, some kind of settlement. You know, Brady's rich, so so that's why they're targeting him. You know, he might be like, okay, I was wrong. Maybe he gives the money back or gives half. What what I'm more concerned about is the seeming pass that we're giving on all these other executives. You know, Ryan Selkis, yes, a couple days ago, he said that he thought Ryan Salami was hoodwinked. Ryan Salami was the co CEO. I mean you don't like you could you're hoodwinked you're the co ceo and you're not aware that customer funds have been stolen you're not aware that one person has single signing authorization to be able to steal customer funds you're not aware that your customer funds are are not backed up you're not aware you're running a fractional reserve at what point does that incompetent i mean at best at best he's the most incompetent you're not aware that 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 the 10 people running the company are living in a house doing amphetamines together so at best, you're so incompetent that it's probably criminally negligent. You know, at best, you're Carpellus. at best. But uh, where, did, where did Salami get his DECA millions to donate to politicians? You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got to have scrutiny on all these people. And it's, it's weird, you know, oh, yeah, the only other uh, uh, um, dealing with FTX that I ever had, we, we had a product we tried to sell them like, I don't know, six months ago. We had like maybe two calls. Um, you know just typical zooms and it didn't go anywhere they weren't they weren't interested in our product um thank goodness <laughs> it would have sucked to have them as a customer you know we might have not gotten paid you know they might have taken all our work and never paid us or something um but uh, but I had a couple conversations with a couple of these people and one of them was one of the the general counsel who used to work for Gensler and then he became Sam's general counsel so I don't know these folks but I've kind of like you know, seeing them around, shaking their hand at conferences, had a couple Zoom calls with the, these guys I mentioned. And it's like, it's hard to say, like, these are these are bad guys, <laughs> you know? And, and so I get it for the people who work with – I mean, I, I might even be more biased if I had actually had a business relationship. I mean, if Sam had given me millions of dollars and everything, I might – I might have rose-colored glasses and be trying to like many people in the industry trying to say like oh well you know maybe you know they're justifying in their head but really there's no justification this is just bad stuff and everybody around everybody with a C level title has got to be held you know really held to the fire it's like you lost you you were you you were there on your watch when client money got stolen you got to have some answers you don't just get a <laughs> pass bill like, oh well it, sam fooled me nope doesn't work that way
0: so one thing I'm curious about is regardless of whether you know these celebrities lose money in a lawsuit or not I wonder if this is going to put the chill on in general uh shit coiners being able to hire celebrities to, to pump their garbage and the flip side of that is you know once somebody understands what Bitcoin is I call it the one-way door you walk through the door you can't, once you see what Bitcoin and understand it is you can't unsee it so people who, who are, quote, celebrities or whatever, who do see that, I don't see why they wouldn't still support it. What do you guys think about that?
2: I completely agree. I mean, I think this whole area is going to be completely toxic. Um, Everyone's going to run the other direction. I mean, you know, what we're seeing here is the death of shitcoins, complete and total. There's a good tweet just out, Solana's down huge. I mean, um, you know... It, it's over for these guys, and it should be. I mean, I, it was amazing to me. Go go to Coin Market, you know, Coin Market uh, you know website, and you know, there's still just an enormous number of coins with absolutely no reason for existing you know, help. Doge Coin still has a multi-billion-dollar market cap? You know, it's like what the fuck? <laughs> Do- Doge Coin is the eighth most valuable <laughs> cryptocurrency on that site,
1: and like three of the ones above it are US are just US dollars. They're yeah, right. USD I mean, Coin.
2: So it's it's like this. I mean, what is Six it going to take until people? What it like. is it going to take until people figure this out? You know, I mean, it's it's obviously happening, but it you know, people are a little slow.
1: Yeah, there's a. You know what? I, I there's tens of fat. Like for every Bitcoiner, there's ten people who've been lured in by the uh, dream of crypto. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and it and it's. Um, You know, and and so these are people who can be educated. Some portion of them will be learning and educated through this. Some won't learn anything. And some will say, I'm never touching crypto and Bitcoin ever again. And so, you know, but this is what happens with each of these cycles. None of the Ethereum is the only of the coins that was significant. I guess maybe XRP was significant last time around. But everything else that was big, there was something called Dash, there were all the ICOs, like they're all gone, and they're replaced with new lives. So that's a big part, and that's a big part of what ends up happening each time the wind gets sucked out of these terrible things, um, new, new parasites show up with new stories. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, what we're, that's really what we've been seeing. But, he, but also each time Bitcoin emerges stronger than ever before. And you look at the conviction of Bitcoiners now and how many there are compared to, say, like, you know, Bruce is here talking about back in the Mt. Gox days, like, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, it's in the news everywhere. People are talking about it, it and, and the commitment that people have and the amount of content that's being created for it is just extraordinary. So it's 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 like a you know you go up you take two steps forward one step back two steps forward one step back and that's just the nature Mm -hmm. of the that's just the nature of the beast for a little while.
0: And you're starting to see mainstream interviews more often with bitcoiners who can make cogent points about why Bitcoin and everything else, whether or not the same, which is positive. Yeah. So many hands here. I don't know who's next. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I won't talk.
8: Matt Matt
1: and Peter yeah, I think it was Matt.
8: Matt. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, great question Alex. Uh, I think you I think you see a lot of regret. I think you see a lot of uh, let's let's just say influencers or celebrities that wish they could take it all back. You know, Matt Damon famously made that uh, Fortune favors the brave crypto commercial crypto.com commercial and until last week or 2 weeks ago he was the most made fun of cringy actor that he was constantly getting slammed and it'll happen all over again. If crypto.com uh, doesn't survive this winter, you know, then he'll have to relive all this crap all over again. And it, 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 it's expect it's suspected that he was paid maybe a million ish, but <laughs> I mean, it, there's no way he, someone like that would ever do it again. You You've sold your credibility down the river. Everyone's associating your name with, with scam, with fraud, with it's not worth it to your reputation. So yeah, would he take? I'm sure he wishes he could do it all over again. I'm sure Tom Brady would rather never have his name associated with FTX and given them six billion in pre, you know, in in private worthless stock. I mean, excuse me, six six hundred million, not six billion, six hundred million. Um, all the what did they give him FTX so, yeah, token? Definitely, definitely, yeah, on the worthless FTT token. Um, and, and, uh, same for these stadiums that have this, you know, like come to the crypto dot, come to FTX arena where you're going to get, you're going to get bilked and robbed and defrauded mm, and, uh, not even talking about the exchange, you know?
0: <laughs> the, okay. So the basic lesson for people who are new, <laughs> don't shit coin. It's bad for you. Like if, if some fucking exchange fires up, it's magical McDonald's, you know, cookbook fucking token. And they're like, Hey, this is real money. And they're like, we're going to give you all this real money, and you should promote us, run, run. Bitcoin and crypto are not the same. Who's next, Peter?
4: So I, I think the signal changes actually come is going to be when mainstream media finally stops um, conflating Bitcoin with the rest of crypto. Crypto. I mean, even this morning, you know, Jim Cramer was on there. He was he was uh, uh, telling. Uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew, whatever his name is, you know how how wonderful he's been to call out all of these crypto scams, blah blah blah, you know, and he's been doing it forever, and you know, kudos to you, blah blah blah. And then they were interviewing Barry sternlich who specifically looked at them and said, "Well, Bitcoin is different," and he unfortunately lumped Ethereum into that as well. But I think once mainstream media finally stops conflating bitcoin with every other crypto it will be a signal that that the seed change has actually started to happen
0: i don't know that that's ever going to happen like they're going to be continually be backed into a corner but until some major thing occurs they're probably going to stay with the same narrative because they're incentivized to do so we'll see we'll see brandon
6: yeah, no, and to Peter's point, I mean how soon people forget, you know, at the end of the day, I think celebrities, you know, and, and everyone's kind of touched on it. It's just the the cringe fiat Ponzi collapsing in front of our eyes. And but that's always gonna happen. You're always gonna have, you know, people paid to push stuff. And and maybe like Larry said, maybe this is the end of it. Maybe it's the end of the of the altcoins, maybe not. Um, I think that in Bruce touched on this too, the the politicians, why why are there a million puff pieces about Sam? You know, he's such a great guy. You know, I I, I believe, um, just in in the political realm it runs so much deeper most likely than we all could ever imagine and it just it sniffs to to high heaven that, that that's going on and there's directives being put out and the media pieces and mouthpieces are being put on on notice you know hey we need to pump this guy up we need to cover up what's going on here because lo- the good lord only knows how deep that goes my my question though is to um is to maybe Larry, um, you know, Dr. Jeff, you know, some of the guys, you know, Tomer, some of the guys are maybe the, the Gen X or the, the boomer crowd who was around in the 90s. And I haven't heard this talked about very much, but I find it very ironic that uh, you have like BlackRock, you know, Coinbase, some of these these entities, these massive entities, or or even the, the mass mutuals of the world announcing these things. And they're now trying to come into the market, right? And you had the 90s, which I haven't studied this very much. And someone else, again, that's the older could touch on this maybe, but I've I've always heard that they were you know the 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 lay people were front running the the dot com stuff in the 90s and Wall Street did not like that very much and, and kind of got everyone out and crowded out that trade and got in front of the, the average person and then wrecked them you know a number of years later on the dot com bust so I I don't know what the the story is on that but it just feels like that I haven't heard anyone talk about this where it, it kind of was a perfect storm where hey we're gonna launder money and we're gonna make this guy you know you know he's got a lot, all these connections we're gonna use this as a facade. While also, hey, we're gonna flush this whole thing out and then boom, now we're in and now now all the rest of you can get in.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I was around in that time frame. I mean there was there was some of that it it's um, it's hard to tell, it's very hard to tell. Um, it's hard to tell with this guy. I mean it, it' you know, mass delusions just when they occur, they occur. And, um, you know, I, I think probably a lot of people who are promoting this guy actually believed his bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Um, just like they believed Novogratz. I mean, remember all these guys? I went to all these conferences, and they were up on stage. You know, and I said, hey, this guy's a boy genius. He's worth billions of dollars, right? Um, and I, I was kind of like, bullshit. I don't believe that. But, you know, took a while for it to play out.
0: Larry's bullshit detector is strong.
8: <laughs> and I also think... Um, th- those, those text messages and those, uh, behind the scenes interviews that that's the signal. Like if you, if you let people who like to talk, if you just let them talk and you don't interrupt them and it's, and it seems private and it seems friendly and non-confrontational, they'll spill the beans and, uh, all their malintent. So I, 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 I put a lot of more credibility in every single one of those text messages than anything he ever said in a public interview on capitol hill or in front of cnbc
0: all right two more quick topics and then i'd like to focus in more on uh lawrence lapard who's our guest featured guest today uh, the first one is naya bukele came out he tweeted we're buying one bitcoin every day starting tomorrow love naya bukele i think he's an amazing smart courageous leader we don't need to comment on that. Just bringing it up. Uh, and the next thing is, so um, <laughs> Gensler is basically having to try to come out and defend what 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 is appearing to be, or what the media is portraying as a lack of proper enforcement because FTX blew up. I get personally. This is just my opinion. I get the feeling they're trying to throw him under the bus. They're trying to get rid of this guy. Um, I feel like he's pro-Bitcoin. That's just my opinion. Some people may disagree because he hasn't approved the Bitcoin ETF yet. But if you look at stuff he's said over the years, I think he kind of leans pro-Bitcoin and he needs to be careful because if he appears to align with Bitcoin, that becomes a political issue for him and puts a gigantic target on his back as well. But he basically um, said there's only a couple of paths forward here uh, and we've got a little bit of a clip That was on uh, some MSM channel. Uh, Jacob, do you want to roll that, please?
9: We have multiple...
5: Regulations are often very clear. And we have multiple paths. And one path is working with those uh, crypto exchanges, crypto lending platforms, and to get them properly registered. And why that matters is that so the public's protected. But we have another path, which is enforcement. We've brought... Between my predecessor and and, and the teams uh, now at the SEC, um, uh, at least 100 actions in this case. And we've been very clear in these various uh, uh, enforcement actions. And we had a big win even this week on a crypto token called Library, where a court clearly said, you've been on fair notice. And yes, this is a securities under the securities law. But but Uh, but Gary,
0: All right. So point being, especially with the library case, is that there they've got language in these uh, in this in this the charges I guess the SEC are, are placing here that will create essentially precedent in case law in regards to the words used to describe what they consider to be an unregistered security. And interestingly enough, and I'm not an attorney, by the way, Terrence just stepped up on stage. He was an attorney. He did the, you know, he was highly pedigreed running around the Wall Street crowd with the top five firms over there. So he might have something to weigh in on this. But the language that they're using could be used uh, against Ethereum because it clearly describes what Ethereum is as well. So um, just kind of want to open that point up for discussion and then um, we'll hit some announcements and focus in on Larry. Go ahead, Larry.
2: Well, I'll just say briefly. I mean, to me, you know, that Gensler should resign in, in, in disgrace, and Congress should pull him over the coals. I mean, you know, these people have been selling illegal, irregistered securities, and you know, some people say, well, there's no jurisdiction because they're all over the country, all over the world. Nobody knows where they are, sure. But there's wire fraud. They're selling them to U.S. citizens, and there are wire transfers involved in the U.S., and that constitutes wire fraud. So they have nexus. They can get these guys. And the fact that Gensler sat there. And sat on a, you know, the approval of a Bitcoin ETF, and then he did approve a negative Bitcoin ETF, and then he let Luna happen. He let this happen. He let all these shit coiners do all this stuff that we've been calling out. That was so obvious. It's just it's an unbelievable failure of what the SEC and the government are supposed to be doing. And I'm just I'm shocked that there aren't more people calling for his resignation, just trying to nail him to the wall. And I don't care if he likes Bitcoin. I don't think he does you know, I think he's some kind of a Trojan horse. I mean, he's ex-Goldman. The guy's an asshole. I mean, you know, he, he it's, it's, my view is he is really, really, really a bad actor. The fact, the way he's played this whole thing. And, you know, if, if he's not held to account, you know, shame on the government because, you know, think of how many lawyers and people we have in the SEC. I think how much money they're getting paid. And yet they let, Thousands and thousands of innocent Americans get sucked into these things that we all knew were blatant Ponzi schemes, right? And and yet they, and they said nothing. They did nothing. I mean, what the fuck? I I I have like zero respect for these guys. I mean, it, it's unbelievable to me. I, I'm appalled at at you know what's happened here. And there's blatant blatant fraud going on. The SEC is just sitting there with its thumb in its ass.
6: Wartime, Larry. Let's go.
2: <laughs> you know, this is why people love Larry Laporte. They <laughs> no they talk,
3: punches pulled, man. They talk about transparency. You know, Gensler has had uh, a dozen videos, over a dozen videos. These highly scripted things where he's talking about transparency. Well, it's been over a week and a half. Where's his transparency? Like, I mean, I know he's very, very busy. Unlike us plebes, but. Somehow we managed to get into these um, clubhouses. Somehow CZ manages to have time. I guess Gary Gensler, in the whole last 10 days, he hasn't had one hour to break away or or not even two minutes to make a video. Yet he did have the time to meet his former employee and former personal general counsel from when he was with the CFTC, who became Sam's general counsel. He did have the time to meet Sam. He did have the, the time to have his staff meet Sam to discuss what? Special no-action relief, which means get-out-of-jail-free card. That's what it says right on the memo what their discussion was. He did have time to talk to the guy who donated $11 million to his boss, the person who appointed him. He did have time to talk to the, um, uh, you know, Sam's girlfriend, who's also a friend of, of, of Gary uh, Gensler's family, um, you know, the head of the department when he worked at MIT. Uh, that's his daughter. Uh, so he had time to meet with those people. But he doesn't have time to meet with the honest people, the people who are paying his salary, the people in this industry who've tried for years and years and years to do things like a Bitcoin ETF or get basic clarity or even a firm like us who went through the massive undertaking of becoming an SEC-registered broker-dealer and getting fully licensed. We still can't get questions answered on how to actually do anything. So, you know, he's a, Sam's a big shot. He gets to go down to D.C., gave away 70 million dollars over the last two years and he promised another billion. He had every single door at the SEC and everywhere else open for him, paved out with a you know golden carpet. And uh, and, and what does Gary Gensler have to say about that? Nothing. Not a word, not a word, not a, not even a hey, I know it looks bad, but I can't discuss it. Uh, we don't discuss individual private meetings and uh, we are going to pursue the law. Nothing, not even nothing, not a single statement. Mr. Transparency, he works for us. We don't work for him. He demands transparency for, from us, he works for us. And where's his transparency? He's, he's too busy. He's too busy and too important to tell the taxpayers and the members of the industry to answer these basic questions like, what did you do in the meeting when you went with your former employee and your billionaire buddy who pay, paid $11 million to the guy who appointed you and the friend of your, um, you, you know, your, your, your friend's daughter? How was that meeting? All smiles and hugs, I'm sure. Bruce Fenton,
6: very spicy. Oh, boy, Bruce.
5: I, I, uh. I had to break away to, to go talk with my bank for uh, for a little bit. So I apologize if, uh, if you guys already touched on this. And, and Larry, I also sent you a text about what I'm about to say. So you can just, <laughs> you can ignore this text message that I sent you. Um, but with regards to this being the, the, the death of crypto or shitcoins, coins, unfortunately, I don't think that that's what's going to happen here. Because um, we a lot of us that were around for the the bubble pop of 17, or particularly the bubble pop of 18 to 19, um, we all thought that that was also gonna be the death of crypto and shit coins, and here we are. So, and what I think is what we're gonna be seeing is that regardless of whether this is the moment that like the the big kahuna as far as Ethereum dies, which I I hope would happen, um, regardless of whether that is the reality, the real thing that is going to be happening going forward is that Binance is now positioning themselves as the um, the next big daddy as far as uh, what allows these shitcoin projects to spool up and continue to, to survive. So, unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to this is going to be the exodus as far as like people learning that crypto and shitcoining is bad for you. Um and really, like, if, if the last two years hasn't been big enough a big enough lesson for everybody else is, like, give it a couple years, like, two, three years to where Bitcoin's price action returns to, like, to launch mode, um, and the excitement comes back, and especially with the proliferation of institutional involvement in Bitcoin, people are going to still attribute uh, the whole crypto space to Bitcoin, and that's probably going to fuel a lot more excitement into, like, the the future projects that either survive this coming winter and this uh this thing, or the new ones that, that prop up. I just wanted to to also put that forth.
2: Yeah, Mike, I don't disagree with you. I mean it you know, people are stupid and it might take more than just this, but
8: <laughs> with
2: <laughs> with each with each of these busts, um, you know, we're getting closer to the day when all shit coins are dead, which I, I'm looking forward to that day.
5: Larry, this is why you and I get along so well. We're not we're not afraid to, to filter ourselves and just state that people are stupid. It's like it's a painful thing to hear, um, and it sounds mean to a lot of people, but it really is just a, a fact, a matter of fact that
2: largely people are stupid. And, and many, just, many, they can be good. That doesn't mean they're not good people. There are a lot of good people, yes. but they're not all smart. <laughs> and, and, but not only are people stupid, but the the hard part is
6: is that the the regulators and the politicians are in bed with the fraudulent crypto players, right? They're literally in bed with SPF. So how do we expect them to, to put out fair regulations against crypto, you know, and
5: put these guys in jail where they should be? Uh, they're in bed with them. They're, they're receiving millions and millions of dollars from them uh, politically, how, how do we expect them
6: to do anything honest and right?
5: You
2: know, it's it's
6: honestly, I've, I've never felt more that it's Bitcoin against the world right now. That's what it really feels like. And it's going to get worse before it gets better, I think.
8: And well, if there's a silver lining, Dr. Jeff, I'm very glad to see this blew up in spectacular fashion within a week or two of SBF uh, making the rounds on Capitol Hill and glad handing everybody. That is perfect. That is chef's kiss. Like, OK, great. We have the receipts that you accepted these donations and these contributions and and glad handing and the photographs. And now it's one of the biggest scandals and frauds perpetrated internationally and on U.S. uh, consumers. So, I mean, it kind of, uh, you know, if politicians care about one thing, it's money. But more importantly, it's their power and prestige. And they they cannot take this reputational hit. Uh, So this hits them where it hurts on top
5: of that um i i don't know if you guys have seen it i missed it yesterday but i saw it this morning with uh, a, a tweet from an individual that i can't remember but there, uh, the the white house put out a brief um with regards to the g20 bali summit that's been going on and their um support and affirmation for particularly this oecd project that is the two pillar tax system uh the, the two reports are like 200 pages apiece, So I'm like, I just started looking into this this morning, but I really started looking into the, what's called the, the second pillar of this and their exclusions. And they're working to really um, make it so that individuals can't move jurisdictions and avoid uh, what I would uh, deem as oppressive or aggressive tax law. and, what, what that says to me is that they're really trying to sequester Bitcoin, like Bitcoiners in particular that are trying to protect their wealth. Um, and their uh, exclusions to these tax laws are, are government entities and institutions and um, wealth investment institutions. So like particularly the, like these products that the, the wealthy and the upper echelons of society rely on
8: versus um,
5: – Really heavily taxing Bitcoiners that aren't a part of those those particular groups. So I don't know. It, it's if you guys haven't looked into it, I would recommend it. Um, but maybe I'm just again, maybe I'm seeing things that aren't actually there. And the,
7: All right, well, the point. We got the point. Pause the pause
5: here. Sorry. Sorry. Alex, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just gonna say let's uh, let's hit some announcements real quick, and we'll keep rolling. So you are listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we do talk about Bitcoin. We do it every day, Monday through Friday. Start at 7 a.m. Pacific. Roll for two hours. The place for your morning news. Preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry to drop in here. Talk about what's going on. This is also a podcast. You can catch it on Fountain, Spotify, Apple. Everywhere you get your pods, you can throw me or Swan a follow to be notified when they drop. If you have the sad feels because you missed Pacific Bitcoin, well you can catch it next year because we're doing it again. PacificBitcoin2023.com Tickets are basically half off right now. Uh, and that's only going to be a, for a period of time. I don't know when that ends. But um, interestingly enough, these tickets are going to be refundable until July 1st. So you basically have nothing to lose. There will be a limit on how many people uh, attend this thing. And I will tell you, this: this is just my opinion, but the last one was so... Incredible and above expectations. It blew me away. Um, I think those tickets are going to sell out very quickly. So don't wait. Otherwise, Alex, you're going to be feeling Alex sad Blair. again.
2: Do we, we have, ahead, do we have Do we have? have dates yet? Have you picked dates? Or is that kind of up? In, is that why you're doing the refundable one if the dates don't work?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think we have dates exactly. I think we're trying to lock down the Barker Hangar again.
2: Same are you venue. looking for November, you're thinking, kind of?
0: Probably... The month, uh, October.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. What else we got?
0: Oh, by the way, I work with Swan. If you're interested in knowing more about Swan, shoot me a DM. We do lots of stuff. So Swan Private is for high net worth, ultra high net worth. If you want to take a large position in Bitcoin, but you don't understand Bitcoin, we are here to hold your hand the entire way, explain everything to you, every step. We do IRAs. If you want to roll over or convert whatever, an IRA into Bitcoin, we can do that too. You have a business, we can put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. You have employees. We have this thing called the Bitcoin benefit plan where you can gift your employees Bitcoin and our team will create custom education to help orange pill them. (laughs) That is one of my favorite. That's freaking fantastic. Um, I get so excited about my own company i don't know why i just love it man i get paid to freaking talk to people about bitcoin every single day i'm not not ashamed to say that's fucking awesome it's awesome uh what else we got that's it let's let's start uh digging in a little bit with larry first of all thanks for hanging out with us today i know you're super busy man no Um, not at all i
2: got i always have time for you guys I, i love swan i love everything you're doing I've told Corey, I'm convinced SWAN is going to be the E-Trade of the Bitcoin space. I'm I'm absolutely certain of that. And um, I was an early investor in e- E-Trade, and it worked out very well for me. So,
0: all right on. Thank you for the kind words. We love you, too. <laughs> I remember back in the, you know, I don't know if you recall this, Larry, but back when we were running, um, approaching Bitcoin 2022 in Miami, I was like thinking, Lawrence is going to blow up he's going to be huge in bitcoin they should get him as a speaker and uh <laughs> you know i actually brought it up with them like hey you guys should get this guy larry because he's going to be massive and i guess they did they declined and they probably regretted it at this point but i bet uh, you will be there next year
2: no nah, i doubt that i and i'm not massive and i'm still a little bit tainted in pure bitcoin circles because i'm a i come as you know i come at this from a sound money point of view and so i still believe in gold and there's a segment of the Bitcoin population that holds that against me. But, um, you know, you are what you are and I'm not going to change. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you and me are, are similar in that regard. I came from that industry, too. And like, you know, if people want to judge us for that, you know, fuck them. I don't care. Uh, the advantage, though, is that we can talk to people in who are basically gold bugs. And we know where they're coming from. Like we can relate to that and we can we can well that's you right. Know, I...
2: That's absolutely right. I mean, in my defense of being a gold bug still, I I say, look, I've I've helped Orange Pill one hell of a lot of gold bugs. I mean, I went to the New Orleans Gold Show two years in a row and advocated for Bitcoin. And and yeah, a lot of and as most of the people on this call probably know, you know, a lot of gold bugs, they have the monetary piece right. You know, they're just afraid of this other stuff. And and to be fair to them. Given some of the scams that have gone on here, if you're if you're using mental models, it's very easy to quickly say, hey, this is a bunch of bullshit. These are all scams, and they don't do the work to understand what Bitcoin really is. And so, you know, my job is to say, no, you guys are missing it. You know, you're, you're wrong about this. I mean, yes, you're right about the scams. You're wrong about Bitcoin. This is an incredible technological innovation that created digital scarcity, which had never existed before. And it's going to be as important as the printing press, or you know, any other huge technological innovation. And if you're not paying attention to it, you're making an enormous mistake because the optionality here is stunning. And ultimately, Bitcoin is going to demonetize gold. But I would suggest that my time frame is a lot longer than Michael Saylor's. So you know, it's it's going to take some time. But but your gold bug is your very best future Bitcoiner because uh, once they see it, they can't unsee it. And you know many people on this call may not be aware of this but 2 years ago at the New Orleans conference I was speaking and I asked everybody and this is an older conference by the way I mean I go to these conferences and going to bitcoin conferences is fun cuz everybody's young and excited and optimistic and hopeful going to gold conferences is depressing because you know it's been manipulated for so many years and we're all beat to shit and you know so the average age is much higher and and the the optimism quotient is much lower and I asked the people at New Orleans I said hey guys how many of you own Bitcoin? And, and so this is probably an average age in this audience of 55, maybe higher. And half the hands went up. So wow. the gold guys, are, gold guys are getting it. I mean, they they really are getting it. And of course, once you start down that rabbit hole, you know, I've got plenty of gold guys who started with zero and were opposed to it. Now they're 100% Bitcoin, no gold. So, you know, it's just a process that people go through to understanding it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally agree with you. Everything you just said, totally agree. Because... Ultimately, first of all, we're all on the same team. A lot of Bitcoiners may not realize that, but gold bugs and Bitcoiners are on the same team. And it's just like Larry said, they just don't understand. And being mean to them is not going to help them understand better. You guys need to understand that. You can't like be shitting on gold bugs and expect them to want to join you because you're right. being douchebags.
2: Well, I don't know about that, but the, the team is anti-fiat, right? I mean, fiat is the problem. And any, any any form of money that is not fiat, that has no counterparty risk and is outside of the state control and state system is better than what we got. And therefore, you know, I mean, everybody who buys a gold ounce or a silver ounce, I mean, it would have been better if they bought Bitcoin, but it's a whole lot better than holding fiat. We got to drain the swamp of these fiat assholes. I mean, the world is full of fiat assholes and they need to die. Now, I can't wait until you know the 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 jay pals of the world who have a nine figure net worth you know or 10 figure net worth until that shit's worthless and and we have all the marbles and that's going to happen i think that's going to happen in my lifetime and i'm 65 so um you know it's it's kind of fun to sit back and watch them squirm
0: <laughs> all right so talk to about uh, like your general views on where we are today where we go in the next couple of years um, like what, you know, what's in so, the immediate, what do you see in the immediate next one or two years?
2: Yeah. So this is, look, it's extremely hard to make financial predictions, right? But there's there are a couple of things that, you know, there are a couple of models that I work from. The first one is that what's going on here is the bursting of the largest bubble that ever was created in the history of mankind, that the, the crime of 0% interest rates from 2009 to 2016 mispriced absolutely everything. And so nobody really knows what anything is worth because they broke the money. The money is completely broken. No one knows what the value is of anything in a true market-discovered price supply-demand because they just they completely trashed the markets. So having said that, they created this enormous bubble, which is now in the process of bursting. And they created it at the highest level possible, which is at the sovereign debt level. I mean, the, the Fed has been pretty good at creating bubbles since 1913. I mean, they created the first one with the stock market bubble of 29. And they created three in the last 22 years where they had the, the dot-com bubble, then they had the housing bubble, and now we've got the everything bubble based on sovereign debt. And there's really no higher level. It's not like some Martian is going to come down and save us from it. So the sovereign debt bubble actually questions the val- the validity of the currency itself, as everyone who knows Austrian economics and the von Mises view of a crack-up boom is. I mean, we can either... We can either defend the currency and we're going to drive the, the, the economy to zero. You know, we're going to have a depression worse than 1929, or we can print more currency, in which case we're going to have, you know, massive inflation, ultimately hyperinflation. I'm obviously weighted towards the second outcome as a possibility. But frankly, you know, the misguided guy who's at the top of the pile, uh, Jay Powell, who, you know, is, is in conflict with some of his other Fed governors, as I understand it, from people I talked to in Washington, D.C., but he has decided that he is not going to go into the history books as the guy who blew forty years of price stability, and he doesn't give a shit how much people have to suffer. He's just not going to go down unless you know on on, on not having solved this inflation problem, and therefore that's why we see the the most rapid increase in rates in the history of the Fed, and we're you know what they've created. I mean, it's evil and terrible what they've done to everybody because. You know, it, it, as recently as a couple of years ago, I've got a video of them in the summer of 2020 saying, you know, we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. So everybody in the pool, you know, go buy your stocks, go get levered up, you know, the economy, they were worried about the economy tanking from COVID. You know, it's all good. Go, go get out over your skis, everybody. Fine. It's all great. You know, and then boom, a year later, a year and a half later, oh, inflation's transitory, by the way, too. Another lie that they knew was a lie. You know, then a year and a half later, bang. You know, they pull the rug and they, they literally, as El as Arian said, they literally slammed on the brakes so hard that the economy is going through the windshield. And, and, and that's that's what's happening here. I mean, it, it's you know, I call it economic whiplash. I mean, how the fuck is anyone supposed to operate financially, business wise, otherwise in this marketplace? It's 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 beyond the pale how out of control, stupid and evil these people are. And how much pain they're going to cause people. They've caused people and are going to continue to cause people. And so, you know, um, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about this. But, um, you know, w- looking at the month by month, day by day, you know, quarterly things, which, which I think is probably what the audience is more interested in as opposed to my, you know, philosophical rant. Um, you know, it, it's pretty clear to me that we're close to something breaking. Um, we've already seen things break, right? I mean, England broke this summer. I mean, you know, the Japan kind of broke this summer. I'm sorry, England broke this fall. Japan kind of broke this summer when they were... Um, you know, England really broke this fall and and was kind of a prelude of what's going to happen in the United States eventually. And the, the issue is that they they cannot keep the bond market together without additional money creation. And the notion of the highest interest rates ever and very aggressive tightening something's going to break. now they've they've seen this movie before so with you know with all of the plumbing they put in behind the scenes, you know they're pretty good at hiding the breakage but eventually it's just going to spill out somewhere and eventually they'll get some cover, you know the 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 year on year monthly and monthly inflation numbers will start to come down and they'll have some cover and they'll redefine the inflation target higher and they'll turn and go the other way and what's interesting to me is that in spite of all this tough talk the stock market's ignoring them and saying hey dudes we don't believe you you're going to pivot we know it you know we're going to front run you and uh you know that that to me just shows how sophisticated the markets are vis-a-vis vis- vis- vis these guys who are trying to control the markets and cannot control the markets. so so to, to uh, you know, to try and fully answer your question, Alex, of what happens next, I think what happens next is um, the stock market continues to go down, you know, the bond market might even come in, inflation might even be a tad lower, um, you know, and, and then at some point, they have enough cover to, to more completely pivot. And I think risk assets like our stuff, and I consider the two things, our stuff I consider to be gold and then Bitcoin, start to move higher. Gold is, I believe, already started that process. I think gold is put in its bottom for this trend. I think Bitcoin will follow it. You know, it's interesting to me, if you look at 2020, you know, gold really smelled the monetary debasement and it moved first and then Bitcoin moved second. And uh, and of course, when Bitcoin moved, it blew by gold, which it will, of course, right? It's better. It's going to outperform gold in the future. But gold smells at first. It's more widely distributed. It's, you know, the boomers have gold. The central banks have gold. So gold is your early warning signal for where Bitcoin is going. And, um, you know, my sense is something is going to break. They are going to pivot. And I believe, and I know other smart people disagree with me. They think there are a couple more cycles here. But I actually believe this will be the last pivot. Because I think what's going to happen is they'll pivot this time. And everyone's going to say, holy shit, they can never stop. Powell can't be Volker. The situation's different. The debt's too high. You know, they have to print money or else we're screwed. And at that point in time, what happens is they lose the bond market. And so the bond market's going to say, holy shit, we've got inflation baked in forever and it's never going to end. I'm out of here. And then interest rates are going to go up to much higher levels. The 10 year will be at 5 6 7% headed higher, similar to what happened this summer in England. And the Fed's going to say, well, you know, okay, and we all know what's going on with interest costs, right? I mean, interest costs were $350 billion a few years ago. They're running at a $700 billion rate. The deficit this year, the t report, which Luke Roman so adequately grabbed and, and tweeted out, the t report just came out and showed that we're running a deficit of $1.3 billion for the next six months. So that means we're going to be at 2.6 run rate. And that's before all the recession effects kick in. And you know, last year, we were at either 1 or 1.4, depending upon whether you consider the student debt forgiveness thing was real. And so, you know, $2.6 trillion deficit and growing, you know, they can't handle six, 7% interest rates. So what will they do then? Then they'll put in yield curve control. They say, we got to buy those bonds to keep those interest rates down. Well, that's when the Fed balance sheet, when the Fed pivots, what Powell doesn't realize is he thinks he's dealing with some kind of a, a thermometer and he's really dealing with an on off switch. And when he pivots, you know, everybody on the risk asset side is going to go berserk. And gold's going to go through 2,000 on its way to three, and Bitcoin's going to go through 50 on its way to 200. And, you know, it's going to be complete game on. And he's going he's to more or less have lost control of the monetary network. I think he already has lost control. He's just pretending he hasn't. And he, he's praying for a savior. I mean, if you read the history of Weimar, it was very similar to this. You know, they, they just kept hoping that they'd be able to do it. And there were times they announced tightening, but they couldn't. They just cannot tighten for any sustained period of time, unless they want to have widespread failure, bankruptcy, 1929 kind of event. And and who knows? They could push us a good ways down that road. I'm not discounting the possibility that we go there. But, um, you know, it it's it's an incredibly treacherous macro environment. And as a result, the you know, probably the best advice I can give to everybody listening on this thing is batten down the hatches and don't use leverage because you just don't know what's going to happen here. We just really don't know. But we know that the system is badly broken. And I, I believe it's going to spin out of control within the next two years. Very clearly. I think it actually is going to happen within the next three to six months. It's, it's kind of happening. I mean, the gold, I've been watching the gold price like a hawk. And, you know, Michael Oliver, some other good technicians are talking about gold, silver, et cetera. Silver's outperforming gold. That's a positive sign. I mean, we're we're, you know. We're sniffing it out. We're sniffing out what's about to happen, which is something will break and the Fed will have to pivot. So that was rather long-winded, but I, I figured no. I'd just try and cover it all at once and then you can ask questions.
0: Man, I don't think it was long-winded at all. That was incredibly concise and, and powerful uh, and I think very well thought out. Okay, uh, I do have a couple of quick questions and then we're going to open it up and let everybody bombard you with questions. <laughs> Hope you're cool with that. Um, so... Let's say this scenario unfolds. They do pivot. Like it, my observation has been: every time they need to juice the system, the magnitude of the money printing goes much, much higher. A hundred percent.
2: That's. I didn't make that point. It's a great point. The next pivot, Powell is going to have to pivot. And he's going to have to pivot bigger. Right? It's going to take more. And and behind the scenes, I mean, we've seen it even in 2020. You know, somebody got some disclosure. They they sent out 17 trillion dollars in swap lines. In March of 2020, I mean, you know how much money that is? I mean, that's, you know, that's that's twice the Fed balance sheet. Now, they pulled a lot of it back in. But the point is that every time something breaks, the dollars involved are bigger. And that's that's how it happens. That's how hyperinflation happens. I mean, the Fed balance sheet is nine trillion slowly going down right now. Fed balance sheet's going to 20 or 30 trillion. It's a fact It has to mathematically it has to. This is false. It's just fucking math.
0: Okay, my next question is, let's say we get that massive massive printing. Inflation continues, possibly even gets worse. Um, and it turns into it, t- it turns into an inflationary spiral, which, in my mind, that's inevitable at some point. I don't see how, I don't I really don't see any pathway to save save that from happening. The question becomes, you know, do people, at what point are people going to figure out that the only way, well, the the best way maybe to save their purchasing power, maybe even amplify it, is is Bitcoin? How does that unfold for you?
2: Sorry, I had to get the mic on. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, you know, one person at a time, word of mouth, spreading the word. I mean, I think, you know, people, as we all know, people tend to respond to price. So, number go up. We'll start to do it. I mean, as we've all seen, there have been people out there saying Bitcoin is dead, cryptos will kill it. You know, this crypto thing is so bad that it's going to even disrupt Bitcoin adoption. First of all, in the third world, I don't think that's happening at all. I mean, in the third world, Bitcoin adoption is fabulous. Lightning is really doing an amazing job of, of expanding the network. But in the first world, um, you know, people, there's a I'm sure most people on this call are very familiar with the law, Gresham's law, which says good money drives out bad, which is, you know, human beings seek to serve their economic best interest. Nobody likes to be poor, everyone likes to eat, etc. So if you have money, you have savings, you know, you don't want to save in something that you know will buy less in the future. And once it's you know, once it becomes completely obvious that what you're holding is depreciating in value and can never stop depreciating, Gresham's law kicks in and you substitute and you say, All right, you know, fine, I just got paid, I've got some extra savings, I'm not gonna leave it in the bank. I'm gonna buy Bitcoin or I'm gonna buy gold. You know, the two most natural non-government currencies that cannot be diluted and so that's what will happen now you know it will take time and there'll be early adopters all of whom are on this call and are going to benefit enormously with what they hold and then there will be late adopters they'll be the last guy to get the memo um and you know that that'll play out over several years but i would suggest that this is you know what was it in the movie margin call i mean he who panics first panics best i mean you know you want to you know you, you want to try and be on the early side of this and i think we're all pretty early now obviously it's no fun when you go from 68 to 175 or 165 but uh, you know think it really matters i mean i'm not looking at this as a one year two year investment i mean these are for my kids my grandkids so um, you know i i know where these things are going and i think the word will spread and more and more people will get the memo as time goes by yeah, I like your point, but uh, just for the audience, and I know you meant you meant it correctly, but you
6: said it backwards. You you said Gresham's law was good money drives out bad, but that's actually the reverse. You know, it's uh, Thiers law that that would be Thiers yeah. law.
0: Yeah, I don't know, uh, uh, Lawrence. Could you hear Aunt just now?
2: No, I couldn't. I had a. I, I don't know. I might have had some problem here, but um, restate aunt, the question. Aunt, aunt was
0: talking. I yeah. Okay. So the next question is, and you might have to rejoin. I don't know what's going on. Ant, Ant, some people can't hear him and he can't hear some people. I don't know why that is, but anyway, um, that was pretty much all I had for questions. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about, are there any subjects that you want to hit before we dive into general Q and A? Is there something important that you think people need to know about?
2: Um, No, not really. I mean, I just, you know, I'd I'd say Odell's got it right. Stay humble, and stack sats, stay out of leverage. Um, You know, look at this price as a gift. Um, You know, look, I mean, any any event and activity in the world, you can either view it in a positive light or a negative light. And, you know, Bitcoin being down as much as down, you know, if you paid a higher price, that's a negative thing. But the positive thing is if you've got earnings power, you've got savings that you'll have in the future, you've got assets you can convert into Bitcoin, this is an unbelievable gift. I mean, I've been buying here uh, pretty consistently and I'm, I'm looking around finding stuff to sell, including gold related stuff. to, sell to, <laughs> <laughs> to That's to, how to, you to, know, Larry's a Bitcoiner. He's fucking selling yeah, his furniture. And... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, pretty much. I mean, it's, you know, look, this, I mean, people, you know, I, I've been through this before, right? I, I bought into the peak in 2017. You know, I, I, was, I bought my first ones at three or $400 way back when Coinbase opened, but, um, you know, and, and after coming off of 2017, it fell to 20, uh, around 10,000 in, in the middle of 2018. And I doubled down. And then, as, we, as you'll all recall, it fell to 3,500 in early 2019. And uh, I doubled down again. And, and that's what you got to do. If you're an investor in this space, you, you know, you you got to buy the dips. I mean, the Tipmeyer multiple gives you a sense of, you know, Bitcoin's only been this cheap, like, you know, 15% of the time. And so, you know, that's when you want to be buying. You don't want to be buying when it's selling at four times its daily, its two hundred day moving average. So yeah, this this right. is a buy I opportunity.
0: I, so, I didn't know you were that much of an OG. Larry is also an OG.
2: Learning. New yeah, things. but the numbers the numbers were smaller, Alex. To be fair, the numbers were smaller. I was never like Max. I was never all in. I and I was very worried about the technology. I was I came from a tech background, and my concern was always that this is a computer, and computers blow up. And how can you have money based on a computer when computers play? I didn't understand blockchain. I didn't understand hashing. I didn't understand, you know, all the, all the, the subtleties of, you know, the difficulty adjustment, et cetera. So, so I was, you know, I was medium to small size in those earlier days. And then the block wars came along, and that scared me, too. So it, it's taken time. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's gotten more orange-pilled as more evidence has supported being orange-pilled.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I think what a lot of people don't understand and I and I run across this with gold guys all the time is the because it's immaterial, meaning you can't grab it, you can't hold it in your hand. It's very hard for them to grok.
2: That's how right. Stable That's it right. Is, and, yeah, and right? I, people people have heard me say this, but I'll just say it again quickly, Alex. Money is nothing but a ledger. Before gold even existed, before people decided that gold had value, People were sitting in caves and they were marking things on the wall. There are markings that show that they were keeping count of certain stuff. I killed two bison, you killed one, you owe me one. That's all money is. Money is a ledger that connects people in terms of mutual obligations. And so this is the perfect ledger. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't have a physical attribute to it, but you don't need that. I mean, you don't really have, you know, you have tons of dollars in your bank account, but they're just digits on a screen. Ledger, right? Yeah. The, The difference is that this ledger can't be diluted and it's immutable. And that's a huge fucking difference. Well, I
0: mean, and, that's... and also, back to what you were saying a minute ago about coming from a technology background and that computers can blow up and break and all that other kind of thing. What people need to understand, the reason that Bitcoin is so incredibly stable and unshakable is is because it's so decentralized. There are Correct. tens of thousands of nodes Correct. And you can't kill them all. Like, and they're all, it's kind of like, and they're all kind of working in the same direction to support the same thing, which Correct. is
2: incredibly powerful. Correct. Well, and the, and the, and the computing power behind it, I mean, it's pretty much unassailable now. I mean, I'm sure in the early days there was a lot more risk than we realized, but it, it kind of made it through all that.
0: Yeah. And in, at this point now that it's all built on ASICs, I mean, it's basically unassailable. You know, if you do the math on how many, how much money you would have to spend first of all to, to, accumulate the ASICs somehow in secret where the market wouldn't know you're doing it is close to 40 billion dollars then you have to power all these fucking things you have to rack them um and then ongoing you have to spend the money to maintain a 51 attack it's basically impossible at this point
5: at which point <clears throat> the community would just hard fork away from it and continue going like, exactly how Andreas Antonopoulos, um, I think he detailed it in that video that, cir- that still circulates from, like, 2017 or something like
0: that. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. All right, I want to welcome up American Hoddle. Good morning, dude. It's first time you've ever been here. Glad to have you.
6: Gentlemen, uh, g- good to be here. Yo, shut the fuck up about self-custody being hard. If you say that to one more new person, I'm going to come to your house and strangle you to death. Just kidding. This is a recorded space. That's a joke. It's for entertainment purposes. Uh, but seriously, I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. It's a joke. <laughs> entertainment purposes. Thank you. <laughs>
4: All
0: right. We're going to continue uh, and it's, open it up. It's a uh, financial advice huddle. We're going to open it up for questions. If you are either on the panel or in the audience and you have questions for La- Larry Lapard, now's the time. You can request to come up. We'll be kind to you, I promise. If you want to ask A question in text because you're shy, you can do it in our telegram group t.ne forward slash cafe bitcoin club. That's t.ne forward slash cafe bitcoin club. I'm sure there's plenty of questions for Larry, he's got a brilliant mind. Let's go, Peter.
4: So, I got two questions for you, Larry. Um, first, uh, when does Jay Powell get his uh, Nobel Prize? And, uh, more seriously, um, you know, you're talking about this. The, the, the Fed pivot and possibly um, some pin action going on in uh, the economy, which would mean the world economy, in the next three to six months. Do you see the transition to Bitcoin as orderly or disorderly coming
2: coming in the future? Um, well, it's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's probably, probably somewhat disorderly. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to continue to trade. The best, the best way to look at any financial asset when you look at how it trades look at how it's traded in the past, and so I think they're going to continue to be these enormous up waves, and then there will be enormous corrections. I mean, people say, "Why is this thing so volatile?" And my view is, it's because we're trying to put the ocean into a swimming pool, and the swimming pool is kind of expanding slowly, and so you know, it, you know, it's. It, the transition is going to just continue. I think it's probably going to get somewhat disorderly. And, and I think there's a chance that it could really break away um, because we're kind of at that tipping point in terms of adoption. And um, we're, and we live, we live in a world where things, you know, information travels more quickly and we are all more, co- more connected as a result of social media and everything else. And so I, I kind of think that, I mean, who knows? We could have hyper-Bitcoinization within a couple of years. I mean, I, I've always, I mean, I will caution. I will, I've will i always thought fiat has been doomed. You know, I've thought that fiat was doomed in 2003. Okay, so, and I thought in 2008 it was all over. So you should probably fade my, you know, my beliefs about things happening imminently. But I do believe the next pivot is going to drive enormous growth in the value of gold and Bitcoin because people are going to realize that, you know the monetary authorities that we have can never stop printing. They just can't. They're trying to prove they can right now, and to me, this is—you know—they're—they're they're at Little Bighorn, Little Bighorn right now. This is their last stand, and you know the Indians are about to kill them all. I mean, they're—they're they're fucked. I mean, they really are God, fucked. I mean, Larry, I love
0: your analogies, man. They're the best. I don't <laughs> think—I don't think there's really anybody else in—in—in in, in Bitcoin that I can think of that has better fucking analogies.
2: Well, I don't know. It just, they Mm. just come to mind, but I did, did that answer your question? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, that did. That did. But you dodged the, uh, when does Powell get. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, I think Powell is going to be very, I think Powell is going to go down in history as the man who created great depression too. I think he's going to continue to pursue the policies he's pursuing. Um, and I think at some point the noise is going to get so loud that, you know, whether it be Biden or whoever the next president is, they're going to try and force him to resign and get Lael Brainerd in there. And she's talked about how she's somewhat supportive of MMT. And at some point, he's going to be forced out because the pain is just going to be so bad. That's that's my belief. I mean, I think I think the deviant perception that the markets do not have and understand right now. And this is where actually Dr. Jeff, who's a very bearish uh, guy in terms of his view of the markets, I agree with him on this. I don't think people have any understanding of how bad the economy is about to get. It's going to be fucking horrific. I mean, you know, FedEx is laying off people right before the goddamn Christmas rush. I mean, what, you know, look at housing, housing went from a million miles an hour a year and a half ago. I mean, there were bidding wars right now. You can't sell a house if your life depended on it. You know, interest rates went from, you know, three to on the 30 year, you know, mortgage to seven plus. I mean, This this is, you know, the layoffs and and we all know how circular this is. And what I don't what I think what the crypto stuff is showing you, and I think people don't realize how this plays into all the other parts of the economy is there is so much leverage. There is enormous leverage and leverage cuts both ways, you know, and all these people. I mean, have you seen the did you see the credit growth that just came out? I mean, credit cards, uh, consumer balances on credit cards have never grown as fast as they grew in the last quarter. Never. And by the way, those interest rates are getting pushed up on all those credit cards. I mean, people, yeah. you know, as unemployment's going to start to bite and the debt is there and it's going to unwind and you're so you're going to have a case of where everything you buy is more expensive. The assets you own, like your house, are going to be going down in value. I mean, this is not a pretty picture, folks. This is, you know, this is 1929 uh, on tap unless unless they pivot. And, you know, they're not they're not going to pivot, in my view based on what Powell was saying, until they're absolutely forced to do so.
0: Mind-blowing. Okay, <clears throat> so what we're going to do is we're going to go with brand-new people who have never been up here as far, or, or who aren't up here very often, over the regulars, and then we'll go with regulars as well. Dom Bay, good morning and welcome. Do you have a question?
7: Yeah, good morning. Hey, had a quick question for Larry. Um, you know, common sense would, would kind of tell you that you know, for, for newer, uh, younger people that get into assets and, and, you know, start looking into their wealth, that Bitcoin being the digital is the obvious choice with kind of, you know, them, them being very, uh, uh, you know, unfamiliar with gold and and just the whole concept of holding a physical asset. Do you see gold kind of reengaging younger folks or do you see that trend kind of playing out, uh, you know, over the decades as just naturally younger people getting into Bitcoin
2: over gold. So, look, I think in general younger people are getting into Bitcoin, and they should. It's a it's a better bet. They've got more time to recover if they can handle the ups and downs. I mean, the reason to own gold and not own Bitcoin is because gold doesn't have eighty percent drawdowns, right? I've got clients who're seventy years old who have ten million dollars. If I put them all into Bitcoin, and they, you know, their ten million dollars went down to twenty or two. You know, they'd fire me in a heartbeat. They'd come over to my house and shoot me. So, you know, gold's mad, you know, largest drawdown in a long, long time was like 28%. That only happened once. In general, gold never goes down more than 20% a year. And it's rare that it does that. So um, younger people in general are going towards Bitcoin. That's the right choice. It's interesting, though. I have had a number of Bitcoiners reach out to me and say, you know, I probably ought to have a little bit of gold. How would you do that? And I'm always happy to respond to that. I mean, I believe it's it's the same thing. It's not your coins, not your not your keys, not your coins. I mean, you got to have it in your possession. There's a lot of paper gold out there, um, but I, you know, I, I think I think younger people trend towards Bitcoin, and rightly so. I mean, if I were young, that's what I would be doing. I mean, you know, again, key here, key, absolute key is to not get blown out on the drawdowns. And and to understand that when you buy it, when the Meyer multiple is three or four, you know, you got a chance of a severe pullback. You know, you're buying it right now, the Meyer multiple. I mean, I think you're, you know, 0. 0.7 or something. I mean, like I said, this is only only 15 percent of the observations have, has it been this cheap. and well, That's on the cheap side of things. So I, I'm, you know, I'm quite comfortable recommending young people buy Bitcoin here if they have a long time frame. Uh,
0: Dombe, real quick. Uh, you are a firefighter. Do you, do you happen to work in Santa Monica, California?
7: I I do. Yes.
0: Do we're okay. You were the guy, you're the guy that, that, that helped Zach.
7: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, you know, uh, we're going to, uh, dive into that story i think later on the uh, blue collar bitcoin but yeah crazy twist of events and uh i like to call it not getting re-orange pilled but just like uh, having a prescription refilled uh so kind of you know strange twist of events got me to um interact with with that and and help out a, a swan uh staffer and and uh and worked at the uh, Pacific conference. So it was great times for sure.
0: Wow. Talk about serendipity, divine providence, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's mind blowing Uh, for those for context, for those who don't understand what we're talking about. One of our teammates during the conference dove into the surf, injured himself, had some pretty severe stuff going on with his neck and his spinal cord. um, And Dom was right there, man, to render aid and, and pretty cool.
7: Yeah, of course, of course. So being thank you. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being the, you know, that morning right uh, was kind of the start of a of a of a pretty heavy decline for Bitcoin. Not one to read too much into this. At Tower Seventeen, and so you know, here I am in the morning. Bitcoin drops below seventeen. I'm like, all right, where what's where? Where are we going here? Where's the where's the
8: spot? <laughs>
0: a bunch think, of wild, wild, yeah. potentially wild coincidences. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. I do appreciate it. Let's keep rolling here. Uh, Bitcoin Carney. Good morning. Welcome. Do you have a question?
6: Good morning. Yeah, Larry, um, I had a question about paper gold and paper Bitcoin. I've heard for a long time that paper gold has been used to suppress the price. And if FTX had like 70,000 paper Bitcoin, how much of an effect do you think that has or Is that holding us back? How do we stop it besides self-custody?
2: Yeah, that's an awesome question. I get asked this a lot. So first of all, the paper gold is insane. I mean, there's just, there are multiples. They've had years and years to perfect it. Robert Rubin started it. You know, they're probably, those of us in the gold community estimate they're between 100 and 500 claims on every real ounce of gold in the world. So, um, and that's how they've suppressed it. You know, if you did the math on the 1971 gold standard, the amount of money outstanding versus the amount of gold in the world, you know, and if you did that today and applied it today, you'd have an $80,000 an ounce gold price. It's 1700 So that's the effect of paper gold on gold. Um, to, to move over to the Bitcoin space, um, yes, there is paper Bitcoin. You can go to Glassnode, you can look at the outstanding uh, derivatives. There are five or six trillion there. Um, as Caitlin has pointed out, there are probably a lot more than that that don't go reported or that are hidden. Um, And as we know, do we just know, because I retweeted it, SBX had or FTX had a lot of it on the balance sheet that paper, you know, that they did not hold. Um, So, you know, if you go and you look at the number, the the amount of dollars we're talking about here, you know, with the total Bitcoin market cap, it's something like 350 billion. And we're trading to call it 30 or moving around 30 billion a day. You know, even the amount that was on the FTX sheet. Um, it's, it's, we're not at the point where the paper is wagging the Bitcoin price, in my opinion, but it's going that way. All this stuff is growing. And there are people who point out that when the Bitcoin futures were put in, that was right at the top, you know, of a nice big price run. And so, you know, it's, it, to me, it's one of those things that it's, it's certainly a possibility. It may be occurring. There's no way it's as developed as the gold market is. They haven't had the time. They haven't had the time. They haven't done the workarounds. I mean, to me, what happened with Bitcoin, when Bitcoin took off in 2020 and it kind of did a five-bagger, I mean, alarm bells went off in every central bank in the world. And they said, holy shit, we got a real big problem here. And so since then, they probably have been working on this problem, you know, and CBDCs are part of their answer. But I'm sure paper Bitcoin is another part of their answer. I mean, look, this isn't conspiracy theory. In my view, it's conspiracy fact. The Federal Reserve, the the Pentagon, the CIA, the president, they all know that a strong dollar is part of what keeps America going. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that they have off balance sheet shit that they do out of the Cayman Islands, Luxembourg, other places all around the world to influence markets to help them achieve the outcomes they want. And and, And so, you know, the money printing we see, we see and that's real and that's all there. And at least they disclose some of it. But there's a lot more that goes on beyond that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and, I think you're right. I think they naive. And, and, yeah, it's there's naive a lot of, and there's a lot is. of
2: evidence to support that. So having said that, is it possible that some of that has pushed the Bitcoin price down? Absolutely. I think it is possible. But again, it's, you know, this is very dark art stuff. I mean, we need to get to the point. That's why, you know, I say fiat to lend est. I mean, we got to fucking kill fiat so we can get inside and see what the what the books show. I mean, this is why the Federal Reserve fights, you know, Ron Paul was trying to audit the Fed. I mean, this is why the Federal Reserve fights so hard against that. I mean, if we could get in there and see what their books look like, oh, my God, I mean, what a can of worms we'd find. Right. But, you know, so so to me, you know, the, the way we win here is just we've got to spread the word. We've got to get more and more people knowing. And, and I think we'll win organically anyway, because I think they can't put the problems they've started back in the can. And we've, we've got a blow-up coming that's going to look bigger than 2008 or 2020. The next blow-up is going to be even bigger. And at that point, the world's going to really, in my opinion, the world will wake up.
6: One quick follow-up to that, kind of on that same note. Do you think, or at what point will the U.S. stop selling all those Bitcoin that they seize? Or do you think the Fed holds any like off-books like you were talking about? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know how to answer that. I, I, I hope they do. I hope they listen to Jason Lowry. I hope the CIA and the Pentagon are thinking about it. I think it's great that China hates Bitcoin. Perfect. You know, let them hate it. Um, I, I, but I don't know the answer. I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm afraid not because I, I think that while they're somewhat intelligent and they want to defend their privilege and defend their system, I'm not sure they're that intelligent that they realize that Bitcoin's ultimately going to win and that therefore it would all be it would be in all of our best interest for them to start buying it. I'm not I don't think they've gotten there, that'd be my guess. Sean, Great
4: you got to quit going anon.
0: All right, we have a question from the Telegram group. This has come from Shouli. Lawrence two options were mentioned for saving a sovereign currency. Uh, Would the creation of a war constitute a third alternative that could save a currency? Another way to put it, what effect would a war have on the current state of the U.S. currency and economy?
2: Uh, Gosh, (laughs) I don't know. Um, You know, all bets are off, right? I mean, I, I I hope and I pray that doesn't happen. I'm not naive enough to think that that couldn't happen. It certainly could. Um, you know, that would, it, it, it I you know, ironically, it actually, it seems like it's a possible, more of a possibility because it would help them to cover up what they probably are coming to realize is a trap that they're in. Um, you know, let's say something like that did happen. You know, I, I've talked about this the other day with some people, it could very easily turn into a, you know, you have to buy treasury bonds patriotically the way they had war bonds in world war II. And all those people who are buying Bitcoin and gold are, um, they're not really Americans. They're, um, you know, they're, they're trading, you know, they're, they're supporting the enemy. And, um, you know, uh, to me, all of that would be incredibly sad and, and bad, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. I hope we don't go there. Um, I, I really hope we don't go there. I hope that enough people, in enough places around the world have evolved far, far enough in their spiritual and other development that they realize that, um, you know, getting into a situation where we're kinetically killing other human beings is really a stupid idea. And that, you know, we hit peaks, we hit peak centralization in the World War II. We killed 50 million people or more, you know, in a very short period of time. And then we, on a proxy level, did it in a smaller period of time in Vietnam where we killed 3 million people, innocent rice farmers, many of them. Um, I I pray that we don't go that direction. But, um, you know, I'm not stupid enough to think that we couldn't go that direction. It's certainly a possibility.
0: All right. Um, bad. Good morning. Welcome. Do you have a question? Yes. Good morning. Um, big fan, Larry. Just um, just want to follow up to um, something you said with uh, Quote the Raven, that your base case is that we're going to be in an inflationary recession with the other two edge cases being a hyperinflationary depression and a deflationary depression. So my question is, does... Does Bitcoin do equally well in all three scenarios or is there some?
2: Well, um, I think Bitcoin does extremely well, obviously, in hyperinflation. Um, And I think it does well in in my base case, which is the kind of inflationary depression, um, because sound money really matters. And it's a great form of sound money Um, in an outright depression where they don't even get inflation and everything's falling apart. um, I think it'll do well. I think gold might do as well or slightly better. Uh, just because it's, you know, it's kind of a longer term, you know, sound money. And and this is a newer form of sound money, depending upon future adoption. Um, But um, I think it works in all the above cases. Yes, because, you know, they're, look, I mean, they're 8 billion people, they're 21 million coins, right? I mean, someday being a whole coiner is going to be a big fucking deal, a big fucking deal. And so, and, you know, the, the adoption is occurring. I mean, Somebody asked me the other day. They said, "What would change your thesis on Bitcoin?" You know, what I mean, be be, be completely open and honest. What would make you lose faith in Bitcoin? Make you, you know, change your thesis? And I, you have to, you know, as an investor, you've got to put that kind of stuff to your mind. You have to, you know, you have to answer. And I thought about that honestly. I said, the only thing that would change my thesis in Bitcoin are two, well, there are only two things: one, massive catastrophic code failure, which I think is proven and is not going to happen based on the the number of years it's worked in the development. So I, I rate that as just almost impossible, but I think there's another thing. And that would be if adoption started to slow and people lost interest in it and there weren't new and improvements in additional use cases. So, you know, I was a venture capitalist before I got into this business, before I started, became a sound money crazy. And, um, you know, in venture capital, we always, the thing we were always looking for is are the dogs eating the food? And if the dogs were eating the food, that was an enormously positive sign that the food was good and, the, you know, we we're going to get more dogs and more food. And so, you know, with Bitcoin, to me, the critical issue is, are, are, we, are we bringing in new bodies? It's not, in fact, at one of the conferences I was at recently, it's not as number goes up, as users go up. As long as more people are using it, more people come to understand it, more people are hodling it. As long as we get fundamental underlying growth in the size of the network, we're good. The reason we're good is there's a fixed supply it's pretty basic math. So, and, and I don't see, I mean, I look at Nigeria, I look at the lightning network. I look at all the use cases. I mean, just yesterday, I orange built three people on MUN. I sent them all a dollar. I mean, it just, we got users are going up. And, and so, you know, my view is, is we're good. We're just completely good.
0: Wow. That was fantastic. Um, okay. All right. Let's keep, let's keep rolling. Thanks for coming up bad. Uh, next we have greenie. Good morning. You have to hit your uh, microphone button lower left of the app to talk, Greeny. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Greeny to figure that out, let's go with Sabo, M. Sabo.
9: Thanks, Alex. Uh, Larry, like your work. Um, Luke Gorman has also highlighted that uh, to they get back to the drawing board and re-peg the dollar to gold. What's your
2: interpretation of that? I think it's a strong possibility. Um, you know, consider that most of the people who are in the positions of power, you know, in the in the government and and mo- you know, monetary ministries around the world are tend to be towards the boomer end and and Bitcoin is still emerging and undeveloped. Um, if and when the powers that be realize that sound money is the issue and they need to go sound back to sound money, I think it's highly likely that their first choice is going to be gold. Now, I don't think it's the right choice. Bitcoin's the right choice, but um, you know, I could very easily see an interim period where gold gets revalued upward and, and they tr- they attempt to reset the monetary standard based on gold. And by the way, that would be very good for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is just paper gold. It's, it's deflationary, better gold. I mean, th- keep in mind, the supply of gold in the United or in the world will double in the next 40 years. It grows at 2% a year, whereas the halvings are going to take the supply of Bitcoin growth down to almost nothing. So... Um, but but yeah i agree with luke and and if you can see and this is why you know holding gold in my opinion is still sensible if you look around the world you know there're 8 billion people a lot of people get to vote on this issue i mean the united states is the reserve currency and we're the leading country but we're not the only big country and you know china is clearly making a bet on gold russia is making a bet on gold turkey is making a bet on gold the middle easterners you know the saudis and so forth they've made a bet on gold so you know the indians have made a huge bet on gold so um, you know, gold's not going away um, overnight, and um, and it's yes, it's possible that they they try to go there first. I mean, I think unfortunately, what they're more likely to try and do is try and do something along the lines of a CBDC, which is you know completely bad, evil, etc. But my problem, my issue with that is, who's going to use it? I mean, we're not buying that shit. You know, I mean, it, it'll be good for the people who are getting UBI through their CBDC, but. You know, there'll they'll have to be some rails where you can get the money. And I, I suppose they could prevent you from buying gold or Bitcoin with your CBDC money. I don't know. There, there are, There's so many paths here of how this unfolds. It's it's impossible to predict them all.
0: People figure but. it out, Larry. Like if you think about if you think about the human response to every single thing the government does, people always figure it out. Like if, for example, they, they yeah. use U, UBI or Social Security or whatever as the carrot to get people to use CBDC, what are people going to do? They're going to buy something of value. They're going to sell it for Bitcoin, probably. And and if they have anything extra,
2: is what I think. I agree with that. No, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's, yeah. So, next. Okay, uh,
0: next is Nesky. Good morning, man.
2: Alex, uh, yeah, Alex, thanks for the
10: invite. Just uh, any type of currency peg, uh, based on uh, our short history, it didn't really hold up. Can go back to gold. They started to dilute gold, so I think uh, believing that uh, the government will get back to the gold peg is kind of a lunacy, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Anyway, just a comment.
2: I, a agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily lunacy. I'm not saying it's going to work, but um, you know, I, I think that it would be a, it would be the traditional older finance minister's response to hyperinflation i mean that we but, know that but but what i mean is- they, they may make a statement
10: they may make us like a political statement that that's what they do in order sort of to whatever prop up whatever political figure uh, like at scheme. the end of the
9: day is given that they already tasted the alternative, it's just not gonna hold up okay go ahead
0: i was just gonna say your connection is crappy
9: but question to that is is what other asset does the really federal government have? Granted, we don't know what the true asset value of gold is that the government has, but central banks have been purchasing it in, in gobs lately. So I'm just trying to forecast what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, there's two sides to that equation. It's not just how much they have, it's how much it's valued at.
2: Correct. And it would have to be revalued, as, as Luke likes to say, it, you know, the price wouldn't be in the zip code. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> probably north of ten thousand an ounce now
2: yeah, easily, easily larry yeah. to that
9: point it, 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 doesn't it wipe away a lot of debt and they can
2: start this game and printing machine all over again absolutely i mean there's there's no doubt that you know what they what they would like to do i mean they, they've lost their monetary tools because they're too indebted and they're in a debt spiral slash debt trap um, and what they would like to do is reset everything so they get the power back you know, and that was that's another, you know, lukism, which is, you know, they what they really should do is they should let inflation run hot, try and, you know, spend a lot of stimulus, grow the shit out of the GDP and try to hold the debt down as much as they possibly can through yield curve control like they did after World War Two. And then, you know, debt as a percentage of GDP will become manageable again and then they'll have their tools back. But, you know, my sense is, I mean, I, you know, count on the government to fuck it up. Right. They're not going to do that. They're going to do everything wrong and 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 by the way that's probably good for all of us because we're all positioned you know with with that we've got that bet on that they're going to fuck it up right
0: <laughs> yeah um all right so we're going to go with bitcoin is the revolution then la la then Vid- village idiot bitcoin is the revolution good morning and welcome do you have a question
11: <clears throat> so uh thanks for everybody uh at the conference um i didn't get a chance to say Hello to everyone, but uh, great conference. That was my first conference. And um, so last night we had a Bitcoin meetup um, here in Montana. And uh, a guy who was, he's, he's new to Bitcoin, just still figuring it out. Uh, we got to talking and, and so if you're trying to sell real estate, and you take Bitcoin for your property, you don't have to pay capital gains on it. And it was uh, something I've never heard talked about uh, in the Bitcoin community. And I mean, a light bulb went off right away. Um, I'm swapping property for property. I'm not gonna sell my Bitcoin for real estate, but uh, if somebody was gonna offer me uh, 10% or 20% less, uh for paying in bitcoin then i would take my cash and go convert it to bitcoin and buy that property
0: okay, I'm, gonna, to- I'm gonna stop you right there first of all uh terrence i'm I'm not a tax expert but i don't think that's right terrence is that right the whole thing about swapping a property for property therefore you don't have to pay taxes i'm pretty sure that's not correct
11: uh you can do some of that it's a 1031 exchange in real estate the real estate lobby is extremely strong so they have a lot of special tax breaks
0: it has to be in kind though it has to be like for like. Yeah. you can't just convert from in, one type of property estate, to another
11: in kind in real estate you can't go from real estate to coca-cola stock
0: or something right okay that's what i was go getting from at
11: coke to pepsi or bitcoin to ethereum or whatever that doesn't work
0: Okay. So the second part, yes. the second thing I wanted to say is I appreciate you coming up. Bitcoin is the revolution. However, in this, I like Lawrence Lapart is our featured guest today. So we're, we don't have him for very long. We want to direct questions. If you want to come up and like talk about stuff, the time to do that is in the very first part of the show. Uh, not right now, gotcha. but I do appreciate you being here, man. So thank you. Thanks for coming. Yep. Uh, we're going to keep rolling here. Lala, good morning and welcome. Do you have a question for Larry? Or the panel, whatever.
12: Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Apologies for being in the gym. You might hear some music in the background. But I just wanted to hop up here and add on to the legislative commentary and us talking about regulation. Um, Lawrence, you were making me laugh with talking about how the government's going to fuck it up. I mean... I have a couple of thoughts on this. You know, while we've all been distracted with like the daily, you know, updates, the moment by moment updates on FTX and what is Sam eating for breakfast and is he in custody yet? You know, some critical things have been happening behind the scenes. Um, New York is now running a pilot program for CBDCs, um, literally made this announcement, I believe yesterday or the day before, but they're actually putting um, out a program testing an interoperable network of wholesale digital money and commercial banks digital money operating on a shared multi-entry distributed ledger. That's how they're explaining it to normies. Um, and my theory on this is that, you know, this crash is very orchestrated. The insane fear that we're all experiencing because of FTX is, is part of a, a greater strategy to get us all out of the only real competition to this, you know, a CBDC kind of plan. And so if we all get out of Bitcoin and we don't have any sort of Legitimate counterbalance to what this agenda is—it's all going to happen while we're distracted. And so, I just encourage everyone. You know, the fear is really—it's um, really heightened on crypto Twitter, right? Because we're in this echo chamber where we're all hearing the same crazy moment by moment updates. Spaces are blowing up. There's thousands the people in every space, as we're all kind of feel. Oh, can you hear me? Okay, am I coming through? Now you are. Hopefully, I'm coming through. Like okay. wherever
0: you are in the gym, like yeah, go where but- you were before.
12: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just want to encourage everyone to kind of remember the bigger agenda and to not be uh not be you know victim to kind of the fear um that we're, we're seeing here because things are happening on the hill and things are happening behind the scenes
0: yep. well, um, to
12: set up the CBDCs. That's okay i'm gonna going i'm gonna
0: pause you right there thanks for coming up lala we've got a limited amount of time so we're going to keep rolling do value your commentary um A quick thought on that is that my guess is that you're used to hanging out in crypto spaces versus Bitcoiner spaces because Bitcoiners are never going to fucking get rid of their Bitcoin. (laughs) Let's keep rolling. Larry, Larry, do you have any thoughts or comments?
2: No, keep going. More questions.
0: More questions. Village idiot. Um,
2: Alex, uh, just Alex, really quick.
10: Um, Just a comment on CPCs. Actually, if you read the um, the memos of... uh, the Fed members, uh, they're pretty pessimistic on, they have a pretty pessimistic outlook on CBDCs. It's just, if anybody's wondering. Yeah. I, mean, I actually have, I find it fascinating just given how much excitement in general um, there is in a community about CBDCs. But if you, if you actually read their memos of the Fed, they are pretty pessimistic.
0: Yeah, I take a different view on that that you know, that thing about what they're saying testing. I don't think they're testing for CBDCs. I think what they're doing is they're testing for US dollar stablecoins to move because what's happening is is that in practice, people are transferring value internationally using stablecoins and they're reconverting it in local currency for business purposes. I, t- I talk to business owners around the world all the right. time. And that, that's what's happening. And they're like, oh, shit, we're losing control of this. So that's what I think yeah. it is. I don't think, it's, I don't think it's rails for CBDC. But anyway, moving yeah,
10: that, on. Yeah, that's a Alex. That's, I think uh, that's a good point. And in my opinion, they may let the stable coins run for a little longer so they accumulate more economic momentum. And then they're going to sort of adopt it. Yeah, maybe. It's a good point.
0: Um, okay, Village Idiot, you're next. Good morning. Do you have a question?
5: Good morning, everybody. Uh, sending love to all the beautiful people in the space. Larry, question for you. If... If, in your opinion, sovereigns decide to, you know, re-monetize gold or whatever, don't you think that they're just going to sort of re-6102
2: everybody and make it illegal to own? Or what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. I mean, they could, you know, so few people own gold that a 6102, and by the way, when 6102 came through, they didn't, I think I bet a third of the country complied. And that was a much more compliant country than we have today. I mean, now most gold guys would be like, you know, out of my cold, dead hands, government. <laughs> yeah, I agree you with know, that. I had, a, I had a boating accident, uh, you know, but but yeah, possibly. I, I'm not so sure. I mean, here's here's how they would deal with that. Let me come at it a different way. Um, and this goes to, you know, the war. And, and if they decide that sound money is their enemy, which they might come to that conclusion. They've, I've seen some signs of that. You know, what they would probably try and do is they put in a capital gains tax. They say, oh. You know, these people who bought gold and Bitcoin are benefiting at the expense of everybody else and the collapse of our monetary system. Therefore, the tax on gold, you know, and Bitcoin is 90 percent. You know, you got a cap. You got a one time capital gains. On, you can't sell your shit. So even though you've made a ton of money, um, you know, you can't sell it. And uh, I think that's how they'd come at that. But again, you know, the, the solution to all this is if, if the prices of these things get high enough, we're going to have all the marbles and they're not and um you know people with money can run for government positions and um you know we're going to get some bitcoiners and gold bugs in 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 government roles um because they're going to be the ones who've proven to be right and who protected people and and you know in general i think eventually the people will come to see that they, they vote for the right people
0: so right. we've got we've got about four minutes left we've got three more questions plus i want to give larry a couple of moments to make some closing comments so People with questions, please be fast. Uh, We're going to lightning round this uh, and finish up. Bacon, you're next. Good morning. Good morning, Uh, Larry. um, In your uh, economic scenarios, cases, I don't believe you covered the deflationary depression and the impacts on the Bitcoin price in dollars.
2: Yeah, uh, deflationary depression is is possible, no doubt. Um, I would say the Bitcoin price would probably be stable. And not deflationary. I, I personally think we're at or very close to a bottom here. I think fourteen thousand in Bitcoin is the absolute bottom. If we see that, I'd be surprised, but we could. That's a seventy-eight percent retracement. This is a strange asset. Trading it on technicals is probably as good as any other way to trade it. um You know, there are only so many of them, and demand is growing. So I think it does fine in deflation. I mean, recall that gold stayed flat in deflation; it was at thirty-five dollars after the sixty-one hundred two did, but the price of everything else went down. The price of real estate went down, and In deflation, you'll actually see prices falling because everybody's scrambled for sound money. And sound money will be gold and Bitcoin. So my sense is, while the number go up may not happen in deflation, the purchasing power go up because, you know, if your Bitcoin stays at its same price, but everything you need to buy is falling in price, then you're actually getting ahead. So sound money will do fine in deflation. Sound money did fine in the 30s and the last deflation we had. And Bitcoin is sound money, so that's that's my answer on that one. If I can, a second quick one: What about um, eliminating the uh, Fed? They move all the
0: Treasury debt onto the Fed, and then uh, Congress uh, obliterates the Fed,
2: wipes it out. Oh, well, I think that's possible, but that's hyperinflation. I mean, it, because if they if they wipe out the debt, I mean, they they talked about printing those coins, you know, and just say, well, here's a trillion dollar coin. I mean, that's fine, but the you know who who trusts the currency then? The currency is worthless. And they have to start over. I think what they might do would be a structured reset where they would say, we've got this new dollar, five old dollars equals one new dollar. The new dollar is backed by gold, Bitcoin and oil, you know, whatever. I mean, if they were intelligent, that's the way they'd try and go. And, you know, what Americans always do the right thing after they try everything else. I mean, um, we'll have to see. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know the politics of it, etc. But, um, you know, we will return to sound money. That's what this fourth turning is all about. Um, the fact that you know we are on, we are on increasingly in an unsound money environment, which has ruined the economy, and um, it's going to get so bad that you know, with pitchforks and torches, you know, and 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 severe distress and poverty, you know, we're going to demand a return to sound money. And here's the good news: if you study hyperinflations, when they return to sound money, if especially if you haven't had a war and blown up and, and destroyed your productive capacity. Um, when you return to sound money, things actually get better very quickly. I mean, on the other side of this, it could be really good pretty damn fast. But you have to go to a sound money standard. You have to.
0: Thanks for coming up, Bacon. Spiral, you're up. Hey, guys.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, Lawrence. My question is quick about gold. For somebody with limited funds who is doing his best dollar cost average in the Bitcoin right now, would you suggest I try to acquire a physical
6: Bitcoin or just focus on the Bitcoin for now? Thank you.
2: You meant physical gold? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I look, you know, I own a bunch of I own a bunch of both. Obviously, I own a bunch of physical. I mean, it's you know, it's nice. It's nice to have it. Um, the physical, if you're going to get physical and unfortunately, the premiums are really high. Physical silver coins actually have a lot of utility because they're they're kind of a size that you can make change pretty easily. I mean, if gold, if you have a gold coin, a one ounce gold coin, it's worth ten thousand dollars. How are you going to buy groceries? I mean, you're going to open an account with a gross. Physical silver Um, coin,
0: then. Okay, thank you. you Not to mention the optionality if we have a
2: zombie apocalypse. Right,
0: exactly. (laughs) All right. um, We're going to go with Brian. uh, I'm sorry. Brandon, we'll let you make some closing comments, Larry, and then we'll wrap. Brandon, go ahead.
6: (laughs) Hey, Larry, uh, the you know, I I tend to agree with that. I think a lot of us do here. probably the structured reset um, and trying to kind of thread the needle there. And and everyone's kind of touched on a handful of the questions I've had in in a way, which is when pivot this year. I feel like a lot of us think it's going to be this um, more the inflationary route rather than going Great Depression style. How do you think gold? you know, but getting backed by gold. And again, you touched on that as well, thinking that's, you know, maybe some type of gold backed you know, thing. How do how does bricks play in that? And this might be a longer question, unfortunately at the end of the show, but how does the bricks play in with that and kind of that war gaming with the dollar, you know, the Western world versus bricks and what's going on there?
2: Yeah. Well, it, it look, um, the bricks are obviously trying to move away from the dollar standard and, uh, and they're trying to build an alternative currency and they're, and, a lot of them have said that they trust gold more than they trust the dollar. And I can't say as though I blame them. Um, how will it unfold? I, I just There are too many, there are too many variables, Brian. It's just too hard to know exactly how it's going to unfold. But suffice it to say that the money is very badly broken. We all know that. And even the authorities know that. And so, um, you know, you can't save in this broken money. We, we, we also know that. And I think if, as long as your savings are in the form of real assets, gold and Bitcoin, I think that's the best you can hope for to make it through what's going to be a very difficult period uh, for everybody, even even including including all of us who have got it right. But um, that, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I see it.
0: Uh, Nate, I see your hand, man, but we are out of time. We're going to have to wrap. So, Larry, thanks for being here. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate it, man.
2: Oh, thank you, Alex. I mean, first of all, I would just say to everybody, you know, be of good cheer. You're lucky to be here. You're lucky to understand this. As bad as it all is, you know, um, what do they say in CrossFit? You're supposed to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, the monetary system has made our world uncomfortable. But you know what? We're comfortable with it and we're optimistic about it. And we've got the right solution and we've got to spread the word. And as I said in another conference, you know, universally, when I meet Bitcoiners, I love them. I mean, if you're a Bitcoiner, you're my friend. And um, and that's the way, you know, I approach the world. If you're a fiat master, you're my enemy. And, you know, fiat delendum est. We've got to kill fiat. And so that's what it's all about is we gotta get out there and spread the word. I, you know, I've got my Mun wallet, everybody I encounter, I tell them, let me send you some money on on my Mun wallet. You know, you just it's one person at a time. It's just and this is inevitable. And that's what's so beautiful about it. It's absolutely inevitable because it is a better idea. It, you know, it, it's it's like I, I, I compare it often to the uh, the American Revolution. You know, it, really, most of America didn't want to revolt against Britain. They didn't care. I mean, you're a farmer in Pennsylvania. You're like, well, what the fuck? You know, but you're if, if you're in, in Boston and they're billeting soldiers in your house and the ma- massacre occurred, and everything else, you're like, fuck this shit. And they're taxing your tea. You're like, fuck this shit. You know, I want to fight these assholes. And, you know, th- that's what this is all about. I mean, we can see what they're doing and we're going to fight these assholes and and, you know, the American you know, Constitution was a fabulous document that um, laid out a better way, uh, just as the white paper is. It's a fabulous document that lays out a better way, a better solution for mankind, for a monetary standard. And that is just going to become more and more obvious as the years roll by. Sadly, it doesn't happen in months. I mean, you know, they wrote the Declaration in 1776. The country wasn't really formed until 89. That was a lot of years. We got the same kind of fight ahead of us, you know, and we got some defeats, you know what I mean? I mean, we got Charleston coming, we got other bad shit coming, you know, but then we'll have Saratoga, we'll have Trenton, and then ultimately we'll have Yorktown. And so, you know, we're going to get there. It's just, we got to just keep fighting the good fight. So that's what I would say to everybody. Just keep fighting the good fight. That's why I do all the shit I do and why I'm such a loudmouth about this shit. Because I sincerely believe that if I want my kids and grandkids to live in a better world, that I've got to fight for a system that's fair. And um, so that's why, that's why I'm doing it anyway. Let's I go. That, I hope that helps, Alex.
0: Hell yes. Get on the goddamn mission. <laughs>
2: exactly. This is what
0: it's all about. This we, is we got right a mission.
2: Here. We know what it is, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: Larry, at some point are? in Where the future, you when you guys can talk about it, I would like to get you guys on for the Bitcoin Opportunity Fund, if you can do that.
2: Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> the whole crew. Yeah. We'll get yeah, the whole happy. crew on here. Happy to come back anytime you like, Alex. I Like I say, if you're a Bitcoiner, you're my friend.
0: Awesome. All right. That's a wrap. Okay.
2: Take care, guys. See y'all. Bye-bye.
0: You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news. Live on Twitter spaces every single day. If you can't catch it live, it is also a podcast up on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. If you boost us on fountain, we'll shout you out during the show. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of the show. My crew and Shane Sats for Life Producer Jacob. I am your host, Alex Danzik, and I work with Swan. If you want to know more about Swan, shoot me a DM. Darren's is up here. He's my coworker. You can shoot him a DM too. We're both happy to help you. Thanks again, Larry, for being here. To all the speakers who come up here on the regular to teach people about this bright orange future. We don't pay these people, guys. They do it of their of their own volitions, they spend their own time. And that's what we call getting on the mission. Love all you guys. Everybody go out there, have a great day today. And
9: crush it.